What's happening? This is Isai Rodriguez, host of the Daspination Podcast, where I cater to the professional working man, 40 and above, who's looking to make positive changes to his health, lose weight, and become stronger overall through simple lifestyle changes. I'm here to share inspiration, tips, and proven lessons that I've personally learned and lived through in my 40 plus years on this beautiful blue planet. So today we'll start the discussion off by talking about the topic of the only who approved low intensity exercises you actually need in our first segment. And then we'll move on to our second segment and talk about the five simple ways to burn off belly fat. So guys, you don't want to miss out on that. And before we get into that, if you'd like to continue the conversation, then get on over to podcast.daspination.com slash VIP to get on the VIP Insiders community where I share more entertaining behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger each and every day. That's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now and leave me a nice, fat, juicy five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. And now, let's move into our first segment with Healthy Conversations. So in this week's segment, um, or, you know, this week's installment of Healthy Conversations, we're talking about the World Health Organization and how they updated, you know, their uh, physical activity guidelines for the first time in a decade. I don't know if you've heard about this. Um, At some point, I believe late last year, they finally updated like their guidelines the first time in a decade. That's 10 freaking years. Like, geez, like what were they waiting for? I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, like in this, in the report, um, in, in these guidelines, the, um, they kind of highlight like the only who approved, uh, low intensity exercises that you need to incorporate in your day or that you should, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, we're talking about like the bare minimum activity that you need to do, like for it to be considered as, you know, quote unquote, uh, getting your work out into your day you know so so these days uh i mean it really seems like a lot of people are opting for that you know small bite-sized workouts um you know sprinkled throughout the day and uh you know not sure if this would replace the go hard or go home style of exercises but a lot of people are really enjoying the you know these shorter bursts of exercise rather than the hour-long ones at the gym you know these long drawn-out hour-long workouts And this train of thought kind of goes right along with the World Health Organization's, um, like, 
it kind of confirmed what most people suspected, you know what I mean? They've actually put out, again, they, they've put out their first physical activity guideline update in a decade, a few months back, you know? And it, I think, it, again, I, I think it was towards the end of 2020, uh, November or December or something like that. But here's the thing. It might be time to prioritize the 10-minute dance videos and walks with your friends. You know, like th these little activities, may you might want to prioritize these into your day. Now, the WHO used to, like they used to recommend at least 150 minutes of moderate intensity workouts like yoga or 75 minutes of more vigorous intensity act, uh, activities uh, per week, like, you know, like running. So 150 minutes or so per week of, of something like yoga or a minimum of like 75 minutes per week of say running or something like that, you know, some some combination of, of low uh, or I should say moderate and uh, vigorous intensity as long as you're getting it in per week, you know what I mean? And now the this updated version of their... Um, guidelines specifies that adults should have both the 150 to 300 minutes of the moderate intensity and also the 75 to 150 minutes of the vigorous intensity physical activity per week. You know, so like they kind of upped their uh, limits because they were saying originally um, one or the other, you know, like at least have the 150 minutes of the moderate intensity or the 75 minutes of the vigorous intensity uh, workouts per week. But now they kind of updated they they revamped it they uh, you know i guess because we're living more of a sedentary life you know like we're stuck at the computers all the time at work and at play and 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 um you know on our downtime we're watching netflix we're binging on movies we're on social media like like <laughs> this no doubt like th this has to have played into their whole equation of you know upping the um the guidelines you know and, and, and when you first think about this it, it might sound like more exercise overall, but the who's definition of quote unquote uh, working out, <laughs> like this definition is also expanded to include um, like the tiniest of, of movements basically. So that's good news for your health, you know what I mean? It's almost like saying less is more. So anyway, having said that, I mean, I thought I'd leave you with three great exercises that you can include in your daily routine so that you can easily hit these new activity recommendations set forth <laughs> by the who. Uh, and the first one, the first, the first thing that I have here that I generally try to get into my day are like prioritizing these leisurely walks. You know, like why not start with the most basic? You know what I mean? You can really consider the 10 minute break between your two and three o'clock meetings as go time for, you know, a quick loop around the block. And to make every step count even more, you know, just a little bit more, try hitting a hill somewhere or adding some ankle weights if you have them, you know? So in between your two and three o'clock meetings, like if you're like me and you have, you know, back-to-back -back meetings, two, three, four, a lot of times you have these 10 to 15 minute breaks. Um, you know, if, if one uh, if, if one meeting ends a little early, then, then take advantage of that. Take advantage of it and run out, go outdoors and, uh, you know, walk up and down a hill, add some ankle weights, get, get moving. The second thing that I have here, second tip or hack, if you will, <laughs> 
is uh, is adding some balance in exercises or maybe yoga. You know, so super, super, super simple to get uh, this one into your day, especially again, if you're like me and stuck in Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting, you know, you can easily like like what I've done, uh, literally, you know, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like a, a couple of these meetings that I know, like they don't really need my participation in them. You know what I mean? Like you can easily stand on one foot, like to challenge your balance and get the blood flowing a little you know you can also run through the warrior poses you know again i've i've literally done this before during long meetings when my when i don't have to present or talk or anything like that and it really again it really gets the blood flowing so i'll start with like a warrior one position and then i'll hold that for a few seconds then i'll float into warrior two and hold that for a few minutes uh or seconds you know and then i'll wrap up the movement with a reverse warrior and hold that for another 15 to 30 seconds you know what i mean and then i'll just cycle right back through them you know i'll go from reverse warrior to warrior two and back to warrior one and i'll just keep that cycle going until my you know 10 minutes are up or until the meeting is over you know and if you really wanted to take it to the next level you know me with the next level i'm always trying to up it i'm always trying to push the boundaries because that's where the most progress is made that's when you get the most efficiency out of these workouts you know so if you again if you really wanted to take this to the next level and only if you have uh, wireless headphones you know what i mean like i have to add that in there because if you have a set of wireless headphones you can literally try going through a whole ashtanga sun salutation routine now um if you're not familiar with this routine uh, i mean i've shared great tips with my community with videos and tutorials and whatnot but you know you you can also go and google the the phrase Ashtanga, A-S-H-T-A-N-G-A, uh, sun salutation. And uh, you'll find some really great tutorials online too, you know, so um, definitely familiarize yourself. It, it's, a, it's a set of movements that's geared towards getting your heart pumping, like really getting the energy flowing. So I really, I, again, I can never praise yoga enough. Like there's, uh, I don't want to I don't want to keep going into that, but let's move it along here. Let's move it along. Uh, the third thing I have to meet the minimum requirements, if you will, for uh, the Who's daily recommendation or weekly recommendation is, um, you know, functional strength training. So here's the thing with uh, with, with the strength training now, uh, or I should say one the, the one thing that I noticed was that the new Who guidelines emphasize functional strength training a lot, you know, especially for older adults, you know, maybe in their 50s and 60s. So that means uh, strengthening the muscles during exercise that you'll need to perform everyday movements later on in life. <laughs> you know, that I mean, that's right, you know? So so we're basically talking about uh, squats, lunges, and other essential strength training moves. Th think of them as an insurance plan for good health, basically. You know, the more of them you do, the better your health will be overall. You know, and these are, these are just a sliver, a slice, just a tiny portion of all the different exercises you can fit into your day to fit these, you know, to, to reach these new guideline recommendations. And like we haven't even started to scratch the surface with all of them. Again, not to sound like a broken record, but I'm always sharing with my community new workout routines and exercises that I'm personally learning from different trainers as I'm learning them, you know? So just another reason to be in the community and in the 
know so that you can take advantage of these bonus tricks and hacks that I generally dish out on a daily basis. And so with all that said and done, let's switch gears and move on to our second segment, Mighty Man. And um, in this segment of Mighty Man, um, we're, we're, we're talking about five simple ways of burning off that belly fat. So listen, guys, <laughs> there's fat all over your body, not just between your rib cage and your waistband. You know, the, the fatty tissue that lives under your skin is there for a purpose. It's a connective tissue called subcutaneous fat. And it sort of jiggles when you flick it or pinch it, you know? But there's another kind of fat that's harder to notice unless you happen to be sporting the telltale uh, protruding belly. And that fat tissue is called visceral fat because it forms around your gut, your innards, like deep in the belly near your internal organs. And it doesn't jiggle, it's firm when you poke it. And listen to me closely when I say that men are much more prone than women to this depositing of fat in their abdominal area so women tend to wear their extra deposits in their you know in their butts uh their hips the thighs like in those areas that that, that those are the target areas for women but for men for us men um this visceral fat depositing in our abdomen area like that that's that's our biggest killer you know and this again this visceral fat is the worst kind of fat because not only is it super hard to get rid of but because it acts like a toxic waste dump spewing out nasty harmful chemicals and influential hormones right next to your most important and vital body parts like your your organs and the release of chemicals increases the inflammation in your body and makes it and it makes it hard for the insulin in your body to deal with the blood glucose from the foods that you eat <laughs> you know now that being said this puts you you have to know that it, it kind of puts you at a greater risk for diabetes and heart disease this is kind of uh, common knowledge these days you know but here's some other nasty facts about this type of fat and it's that this visceral belly fat reduces your testosterone levels and damages the lining of your blood vessels. And so that compromises blood flow in your body. And you know how important both uh, testosterone and blood flow <laughs> are to maintaining a strong sex drive and firm erections, you know? Do I have your attention now? <laughs> because this is serious, fellas. You may not think about this, but that's why I put this show together for you you know these are the little tidbits that a lot of people aren't really talking about you know but nonetheless i bring this to you you know okay so now that you've had your biology lesson let's switch into health class because there's a lot you can learn to do to start destroying that dangerous belly fat and start sculpting your midsection you know what i mean but first let's do a little motivational exercise if you will and, and work with me here literally like like work through this with me uh, if you can so we're gonna grab a tape measure and uh we're gonna figure out your waist measurement and and, and hear me out here <laughs> just just hear me out like literally what you're gonna do is take your shirt off and uh relax <laughs> but take your shirt off and uh wrap the tape measure around your waist you know slightly above your uh belly button and uh parallel to the floor obviously 
Now exhale and check the measurement, all right? So now what, what is it? What does the measurement say? First of all, make sure the tape measure is like, make sure it isn't too tight. Like the tape measure shouldn't be tight. And that's it. That's the exercise. I like to keep things simple here, you know? But let me know what your measurements are right now so we can keep you accountable. Now the benchmark for men, if you're not aware, is 40 inches. So if you measure more than 40 inches, then just know that you're at a greater risk for obesity-related diseases, according to the National Institutes of Health. You know, in fact, um, there was a Mayo Clinic analysis, now that I'm thinking about it, of a waist size that showed that uh, men with a waist size of 43 inches had more than a 50% greater risk of death than did men with a 37 inch waist. Think about that. That's only a six inch difference between um, being in that 50% category, <laughs> you know, of, of uh, that risk of death. You know what I mean? Like, is that something you're truly willing to live with? You know? So so anyway, I mean, if, if, if your own tape measure test just gave you a wake up call, then I've got some action for you to take right now and start eliminating that dangerous visceral fat from your midsection. All right. So are you with me, guys? <laughs> I mean, let's get right into it. Uh, the first thing, um, first action I have is to follow the leaders. Like we've played follow the leaders uh, as children and uh, it, it's kind of the same here. You know, you can literally fire up your motivation and find some useful tips by reading weight loss success stories online, you know, or um, find someone that inspires you and who's walked the walk before, someone who's been through what you're going through right now. Some of my favorite places to find inspiration are um, online, are uh, Reddit and Facebook, like those both great places to find like-minded people who are struggling or have struggled in the past just like you are. Reach out and connect and then huh, not only do you reach out and connect but stay connected that's that's key and how about these tips from people on the uh, national weight control registry like yeah there is a, a registry where people um <laughs> for lack of better terms, register um, like their weight loss journeys. Like they've surveyed these people that are registered on the uh, on this registry, and they've come up with four tips that all of them had in common. You know, so I mean, I got yeah, they they must be doing something right, right? You know what I mean? <laughs> so like, the the four things that they all had in common was that seventy eight percent of them eat breakfast every day. Seventy five percent of them weigh themselves at least once a week. 62% of them watch less than 10 hours of television per week. You know, that's that's definitely not bin, uh, Netflix binging or anything like that. Like they're not Netflixing and chilling. None of that. <laughs> you know, they, they don't believe in that shit. You know what I mean? And, and the, the best one of all is this one is that 90% of them exercise on average about one hour per day. That's seven hours per week week. That's way beyond what the WHO recommends, you know what I mean? And now these hacks are, again, they're coming straight from this national weight registry of people who have lost a significant amount of weight and kept it off a, for a long period of time. So clearly they're doing something right, you know? 
So anyway, the, let's move on to the second thing. Uh, the second tip here that I have, the little hack is uh, pack on more muscle. Let's face it, muscle looks good under a tight t-shirt for sure. <laughs> and it can also keep belly fat at bay. Like it can definitely, uh, as we used to say, keep it in check, you know? But th this is the reason I love lifting weights. You know, I, I want to build muscle that'll essentially eat up all that fat, you know? so. Muscle plays a key role in taking up sugar from your bloodstream, burning calories, and increasing your metabolism. So the more you have of it, <laughs> the more you'll be protected against insulin resistance and uh, nasty shit like pre-diabetes. You know, these are both strongly associated with this abdominal fat we're talking about here. So for example, a report in the Journal of Clinical Endocrinology and metabolism. Yeah, I had to write that one down and read it <laughs> if you're watching the video. Uh, this report uh, found that every increase in the ratio of what they call or refer to as a skeletal muscle mass to uh, total body weight was associated with an 11% reduction in the risk of insulin resistance. How do you like that? That's why building and maintaining muscle becomes even more important as you age. You know, because less muscle makes weight loss even more difficult and weight gain a lot easier. <laughs> That's not what we want. You know, we're looking for the opposite side of that. You know, we're trying to stay lean and mean so we can dunk a basketball on our grandkids, you know, sometime. And now we know that peak muscle mass is between the ages of 20 and 35 and people start losing muscle in their late 30s. But we also know know that weight training and resistance exercise can have a huge effect on your quality of life and how successfully you age. You know what I mean? So listen up. <laughs> there was a large study published in the journal um, Obesity that demonstrated the impact of weight training on your waist size over the course of more than a decade. And there's no surprises here. Uh, the researchers from the Harvard School of Public Health that published this journal, uh, Obesity, found that people who spent 20 minutes a day weight training gained less abdominal fat over 12 years than people who spent the same amount of time every day performing cardio exercises. So for you out there that are wondering, should I lift weights or just do cardio? Well, that question is kind of loaded, you know, because in the end, weight training is much better than cardio. However, good cardio health will certainly help you when lifting those those weights you know they kind of go hand in hand you know so it, it's it's kind of a loaded question if you ask me but at, again at the end of the day lifting weights over cardio but cardio does help with the lifting weights not necessarily a chicken versus the egg type dilemma um, because again <laughs> weights over cardio but cardio gets that heart pumping which gets you in good shape which allows you to lift more weights <laughs> in the long run you know so uh, do with that information if you as you will but it is what it is so anyway moving on to the third hack is manage your cravings with protein ha huh. well we've discussed protein in the past and uh, we you kind of know that you know the whole giving into your cravings can easily pile on the pounds if you satisfy your hunger with calorie dense processed snacks um, and chips and other baked goods and whatnot but 
being strategic about your snacks and timing them out right can knock down those cravings and help you actually lose weight, you know? And one of the best snacks for accomplishing this is protein because it stimulates hormones that make you feel full and keeps you feeling fuller a lot longer, <laughs> you know? So when a high protein snack like yogurt is compared to an energy dense, high fat snack of crackers and chocolate, it was found that people had less late afternoon cravings. So basically on days where they ate yogurt versus when they ate the chocolate and cracker snack, you know, they, they found they didn't feel the need to snack later on in the day, like in the afternoon. And the high protein snack, again, the yogurt led those people to eating around uh, 100 fewer calories at dinner than they did after eating the high fat, high carb uh, processed snacks. So these are the little things we need to keep in mind when we're looking to snack on something in the morning or afternoon. You know, keep keep that in mind when you're looking for something to snack on. Reach for something that's more protein based, like again, like the yogurt or something to that effect. You know, moving on to the fourth thing, uh, speed up to burn more fat. What the heck are we, does this mean, you know? Uh, well, I mean, you, you've probably heard this one before, but are, but the question is, are you doing it? <laughs> you know, I'm talking about really pushing the limit of your cardio capacity by doing high intensity interval training or HIIT as it's known in the gyms. And now studies in the Journal of Strength Conditioning Research have shown that you can burn up to 30% more calories doing a speedy exercise session like, you know, running sprints versus doing a lower intensity steady state workout like walking or jogging. So essentially 30 minutes of running or jump roping is far better <laughs> than 30 minutes of walking or jogging. And I've mentioned this before, but since repetition is the key to learning, uh, I think I'll just mention it again, is that HIT is easy to incorporate into your weekly exercise routine. So for example, when running or cycling, just alternate short bursts of intense all-out effort for say, I don't know, 20 to 30 seconds with uh, slower and longer recovery segments of a minute or two. It's that easy. You'll find that your workouts will be like, they'll be shorter by necessity because you're going to be working so hard, you know? <laughs> the amount of effort that the intensity of the effort that you'll put into this, it's going to cause your workouts to be shorter again by necessity. And there's, there've been uh, some hit studies like assessments where researchers took MRI scans on people that participated in the study that showed significant visceral fat loss following hit workouts. This is where the conclusion comes from that hit workouts are a time efficient strategy to decrease fat or, you know, weight loss, you know? So, and the key here is not just any fat, <laughs> but this nasty visceral fat that wraps your vital organs in nasty chemical spewing fatty tissue, you know? So hit workouts, they've been scientifically proven through these MRI scans um, to help get rid of that nasty fat from your body. Ain't that some stuff? <laughs> 
So moving on to the fifth hack we have is you should really practice diversity and inclusion in your gut. What the hell does that mean? <laughs> well, uh, you've got, I mean, it's kind of known that if you got uh, tons of bacteria crawling around in your intestines already, you know, but improving the diversity of that community of bugs in your gut is another powerful belly slaving strategy. Um, a microbiome analysis has revealed a relationship between nutrition, the gut microbiota, and a number of human diseases, including obesity. And there's research suggesting that the composition of bacteria in the gut is totally different between lean people and those who carry a lot of abdominal fat. It also suggests that diets high in fat and refined carbs promote the growth of bacteria <laughs> linked to obesity. So there's a specific strain of bacteria that's been linked to weight gain. How crazy is that? <laughs> in fact, uh, one study from the proceedings of the National Academy of Science found a link between low bacterial diversity and significant amounts of body fat and inflammation. <laughs> they discovered that obese people have more harmful gut microbes that promote fat storage and 90% fewer of a class of bacteria that breaks down starches and fiber for the you know for for your body to use immediately as energy so now the study went on to talk about how you can improve your ratio of fat burning to fat storing gut bugs just by eating more fiber rich plants you can try fermented cabbage foods like sauerkraut and uh, kimchi like both of these are, are super super sources of probiotics and it's also been found that eating probiotics reduces both body weight and body mass index in overweight people. Another great way to build a more diverse environment in your gut or a larger, happier family of good gut bacteria is by eating a fiber-rich Mediterranean-style diet full of you know vegetables and especially beans. One of the very best foods to build up the diversity in your gut and to promote that good gut, that good gut health. Say that three times fast. <laughs> but there's there's so many benefits to the to the mediterranean diet and your your gut health is simply it's only one of those benefits you know i personally like to build everything around the diet including many of the supplements that i take i make sure they all uh like i really go um i like to believe above and beyond <laughs> to make sure that like they all fit in well with my overall lifestyle and plan you know because because it's it's critical that's that's critical that all these moving parts they all work together and create this synergistic um, balance and energy in your life you know so anyway with all that said that's it you guys that's my show for today i hope you found some valuable information here and if nothing else i hope i've entertained you for a few minutes and was able to bring you a little manly sunshine to your day thanks for taking some time out of your day to listen to me it's very much appreciated on next week's episode we'll be talking about the seven best home use blood pressure monitors so you definitely don't want to miss out on that and if you'd like to continue the conversation with me, then get on over to podcast.daspination.com slash VIP 
to get on the VIP Insiders community where I share even more raw behind the scenes stories, tips, and hacks that'll keep you feeling younger and younger each and every day. That's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Again, that's podcast.daspination.com slash VIP. Be in the know starting right now. Also, don't forget to rate me on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you're listening to this episode right now. And leave me a nice, fat, juicy, five-star review and some absolutely beautiful words of why you love the show so much. It really helps me get the word out and it's honestly the one place where your vote truly matters. Till the next chat, take care now. Bye. Let's go.